Women Taking the Lead, episode 195. So I think it's important to be patient with yourself and take time building your tribe. Women who are supportive in that they're interested in not competing with you, but co-creating with you and also really being able to give you feedback, honest feedback to help you keep growing, not to keep you in the comfort zone, right? But to challenge you to play your edge. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Your website tells a story about your business. At Zebra Love Web Solutions, Millie and her team are going to make sure your website tells the story you want your customers to hear. Connect with Millie at ZebraLoveWebSolutions.com to create the impression you want to make. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Tina Everett, who inspires and empowers women to deepen and strengthen their greatest asset, their connection with themselves. Her extensive background as a marriage and family therapist and relationship coach, paired with her honest, gripping, compassionate speaking style, fuses personal growth with finding and nurturing a loving relationship with a partner. Successful, driven women are moved to consider new possibilities in their quest to find a new relationship or fortify the one they already have. Okay, Tina, that's just a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. You bet. So I grew up during the height of the women's movement in America's Heartland, which is a small town in Ohio, Hinkley to be exact. And, you know, there was somewhat of a misogynistic undercurrent that seemed to run through the generations of my family. So growing up, I noticed that divorces were occurring, like pretty much like dominoes throughout the 80s. And this appeared to fuel anger and, and a division between the men and the women in my family. So growing up, unfortunately, I learned hard lessons at a really young age about the messages that I took in from my family about not being valued as a woman, you know, being weak, incompetent, and inferior to men. And I was constantly observing women being told to play small, if not being told to be outright silent altogether. And I believe that this is at the root of what ignited my desire to create something different for my future. Now, while I am delighted and also relieved to have finally figured out my method for co-creating a positive partnership and a conscious relationship that's in alignment with my life goals and core values, it took me a really, really long time to get to this place. And I went on a journey of self-discovery to better understand myself and what I was doing in my relationships to have them end so poorly. And after many years of struggling in my romantic relationships as an adult, I finally got in touch with the answers that I needed to create lasting change. And that's when I became a marriage and family therapist, and then an addictions counselor, and then a holistic psychotherapist and a relationship coach. And it really was to better understand relationships in general. But I learned so much more than that as I was finally able to take all the personal development work that I did over the years and integrate it with my professional training. So growing up, I was lucky to have had parents who gave me a lot of freedom to explore life on my terms, but unfortunately, I didn't have the structure or the guidance to really discover what I truly wanted or how to go after it successfully with respect to 
marriage or building a healthy long-term relationship with someone. And you, you could say that I didn't have the best role models for success in this area of my life. And I believe that this time, perhaps more than any other time in our history, is the time for all women to begin to lead from their innate brilliance. And a woman's innate brilliance is the power she emanates from the integration of her masculine and feminine energy. And really, it goes even beyond that. It's truly about developing conversational intelligence, which is a co-creative process, rather than a monologue that's fueled from a competitive nature. So what I want for women is to really release whatever mindset or whatever habits they may be carrying around that are not serving them in their romantic relationships. You know, whether they're married, dating, or single, because we can be in a really great relationship and still muck it up. We don't learn how to integrate our feminine and our masculine and begin to lead from our innate brilliance. So that's my humble beginning in a nutshell. <laughs> well, Tina, it's so funny that you bring up the masculine, the feminine energy today, because we just had TJ Jones on um, the last episode and feminine and masculine energy came up in, in terms of leadership um, and, and leadership styles. And so you know, and you, you know, your conversation about your early beginnings, like I can definitely, that resonates with me. I won't say that all the men in my life, you know, had, had a view of women. Um, but I, I do remember my brothers. I have four brothers who were constantly making jokes about women and, oh, you're weak like a woman. And you, you know, you can't do that because you're a woman. And I know, at, you know, it was sibling rivalry, you know, at the time, mm -hmm. you know, so they were just saying whatever they could say to push buttons, you know, and get a reaction. So it wasn't personal, but it did make a lasting impression on me. And I did grow up, grow up feeling that there was this hostility in the culture towards women mm -hmm. and that women were definitely, you know, if not, you know, maybe hostiles is a strong word, but there was a, a dislike and a disdain of women mm -hmm. in our culture. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling my body get hot right now. Just thinking about it, it makes <laughs> yeah. me so mad. And it's but it's no mistake that I'm doing the work I'm doing today. Because of that, I don't know if I hadn't been so affected as a child, if I would have started this podcast, if I would have felt, you know, a, as keenly, you know, the the, the need for women to step up because I meet some women who are like, no, I had no bad experiences as a child. I never felt like I was anything less than my brothers. And I think that's wonderful. And that's probably why they're not so driven to do this work. So it, I guess it all, what I'm coming down to is it, it all happens for a reason. I definitely relate to what you're talking about and you clearly have come a long way. You're so clear now about why you're doing the work you're doing, you know, you're, you're very confident in what you're about and what you're trying to accomplish. But I always love to start us off kind of leveling the playing field with everybody and going back to those moments we can all relate to when we were playing small, those times when we, we didn't realize how valuable or capable we were. And so we held ourselves back a little bit. So Tina, if you could share with us your playing small story and the lessons you learned. Oh, my goodness. So I can remember that when I was in elementary school, I had a favorite shirt that I wore that had a big patch on it. And it said, think big. <laughs> and I didn't really understand what this meant or how much it would impact my life years later. 
Because you see, I'm not a tall woman. And as a young girl, the only meaning I could make of this message was that if I could think big, then somehow I would be taller, smarter, prettier, and would belong. And my Think Big t-shirt highlighted the self-limiting belief that I was not good enough. So then fast forward to my adult years, and now Think Big now takes on a whole new meaning. I'm I'm not growing in height anymore. (laughs) I stopped at about five feet. But what I had to learn was how to not play small. To Think Big was to embrace my self-worth, to embody that I'm lovable, that I have value and that I am more than good enough just the way I am. So to think big was to show up in the world in a way that's authentic, that is transparent and intentional, as it doesn't serve anyone, as you probably know, to play small, to think small and to stay small. And so to be totally transparent with you and and your listeners, I have been working on this my whole life and I continue to. Now, although it's no longer a struggle for me to own my value as a woman, I have to be conscious about my relationship with myself and others by being the chooser, meaning I'm in the driver's seat of my life, and the more I grow, the less dead ends I travel down. Being a champion for other women to be bold and be their true selves, to empower them to lead from their innate brilliance is what keeps me going every day, you know, through the rain, sleet, and snow, as well as on those perfect bluebird days. Mm -hmm. And Tina, what are some of the signs for you? Like, how do you know when you're playing small, right? Because there are some things that, you know, would be dangerous for us to go after or probably not a good idea, right? So I, I hear some people saying, how do I strike the balance between something that makes no sense to go after just to prove that I can do it, as opposed to, you know, you know you really should be going for something and something's holding you back. Do you have anything that that clues you in to your playing small moments? Yeah, well, uh, it comes down to um, kind of being in a bad neighborhood in my mind, you know, having that negative self-talk. And what I have had to do is actually put myself in situations where I can do anything, but I had to put myself in those extreme situations to train myself to believe that I could do anything that I set my mind to. So I have to sometimes do things like that, probably less as I mature and get older. Um, But it's really getting out of that um, negative mindset or that bad neighborhood in my mind by having a structure of self-care every day and knowing the things that can um, shake me out of that, things that can connect me back into my self-worth and my value. And a lot of times it's just as simple as going out in nature and tuning into the sound of the birds, Mm -hmm. and smelling the pine trees. Yeah, oh, I got an image of that. (laughs) And Tina, (laughs) now if you could share with us another story of a time in your journey, but this one is is about a wake-up call, right? For some people, it's it's like a flashbulb moment. It it goes off, and it's an aha. And then for others, it's, it's a slow awakening. And I often hear people say, well, the universe had to keep sending me messages before I finally started listening. But in either case, there's usually a moment of action when you're ready, ready to go. So if you could share with us, you know, what, what led to that moment of action and the steps you took that led to your success? Sure. Well, I certainly have had my um, moments of being hit over the head by a two by four (laughs) by the universe. And um, 
Oh my gosh, many examples actually of that, unfortunately. But on my journey of self-discovery and mastery, I was constantly reading self-help books and also enrolling in personal development programs that were supposed to help me figure out how I could become a more whole person and how to find my purpose in life so that I could feel happy and less anxious and have this fulfilling life. But unfortunately, few did. I kept learning new methods to go within, like yoga and meditation, to quiet my mind, uh, to calm my nerves, and to balance my emotions. But it didn't integrate or fully resonate with what I was truly seeking to have in my life, which was not only to have a loving relationship with myself, but to know how to build a healthy relationship with a potential lifetime partner. So as a result of my seemingly never-ending personal development, it wasn't uncommon for me to spend more time feeling like my life had to be really hard. And then at the root of it was my lack of clarity about what I really wanted and how I wanted to feel in my life and in my relationship. So plain and simple, I didn't know how to get my needs met in relationships or even that I had needs in the first place, let alone how to advocate for them. And I kept putting everyone else's needs in front of my own. And this only built resentment and anger inside of me. But I had no clue at the time that I had the power to change and that it didn't have to depend on the person that I was with. It was actually up to me. So I can give you many examples of the same scenario where the universe then hit me over the head with a two by four, which was my wake up call, you know, to take these initial steps. And they were to get clear about what I wanted and how I wanted to feel in my life and in my relationships. And this is what led me to getting in touch with my life purpose, my vision, and from there, living a life that's in alignment with my core values. And Tina, what I always want everyone to get, and, and this is a great segue, I'm very curious how you're gonna answer this question, is there's no one way to lead. I think sometimes what take, cause you were just speaking about how you really have to get in touch with what you want, what you need, who you are, what you're about. And where I find a lot of women go wrong, guess it could happen to men too, is, you know, they see a leader out in the world or in, in their life and they think that's a leader, that's who I should, I should be like. But that person's personality, their strengths, what have you, are so different, you know, that by trying to lead like that person, they end up being inauthentic. Right. Or they get themselves into a bind trying to lead in a way that that's not comfortable for them. And, you know, so what I'm always trying to convey is that, yes, there are fundamentals to leadership. You have to have good communication skills. You have to be able to build relationships. You have to be able to take action and make decisions. But there are nuances to leadership depending on our personality and our strengths and our life experience. So, Tina, how would you describe your leadership style? Mm, I love this question. Um, I think I would describe my style of leadership to be full of moxie. And what I mean by that is I lead with courage and with grit and guts, because without this, I would revert to playing small. I think I lead by example. I show up as my best self, which doesn't always mean that I'm at my best. I'm transparent about my struggles and the steps I've taken to overcome life's adversities. And I take a humanistic approach, meaning I'm not leading as an expert, but as a person who has and continues to transform her life. And 
If I can help someone believe in what's possible for them and guide them to achieve what they desire and dream to think big, then I feel like I'm leading from my innate brilliance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? I am in the process of releasing my second book. And the title of that is Put Love First. And it's how to prioritize your love life without losing ground in your business. And it's for women who are smart, successful, and driven. And it'll help them eliminate habits and behaviors that keep women from being successful in love. It'll help them access their secret sauce for having conscious relationships with themselves and a partner, how to co-create a positive partnership that leads to greater health, wealth, and intimacy. And what I love to say is turn any hot mess into a hot success. So I'm super excited about that coming out. Mm -hmm. And I remember when you had reached out to me about being on the show and I saw your website, I started laughing because I was having a conversation with a, a friend and accountability partner just that morning. And, you know, it came up in passing that one of the goals I, you know, I had had another friend call me out on one of my goals that I'd set for this year, which was to be open to being in a relationship. And I think a lot of the women listening to this can can relate that when you are someone who is very focused on your career, very focused on your business, you know, something something has to go down the priority list. And for me, health and family come after business. And so romantic relationship starts getting further and further down the list. And with this other friend, I did, you know, come back and say, I said I would be open to a relationship, not that I would be in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was my sneaky way out. But I know that for two, 2017, I'm definitely going to, you know, step up my goal to be out, be dating, right? To, awesome. to be, you know, actively looking for the relationship. So I think it's awesome that you're talking to us today, too, because I think there's a lot of women who can relate to that who are listening to the show, even if they're in a relationship, I guarantee you, the, the quality of the relationship suffer, suffers sometimes because they do get so focused on what they want to contribute to the world. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. And on the flip side of things, Tina, what is the biggest leadership or business challenge you're faced with right now? I think the biggest challenge that I'm faced with right now is just feeling uncomfortable. You know, I believe that whenever we up-level our life, we go through a period of time of feeling really raw, really vulnerable, and very uncomfortable. <laughs> so I think keeping these feelings in perspective of what's happening in my life, you know, keeps me connected and anchored in my vision so that I can move forward rather than feel paralyzed or rather than take my hands off the steering wheel and live unconsciously, which just leads me to repeating old patterns that lead to self-sabotage. So I think it's just really knowing that sometimes being an entrepreneur and being a woman who's, you know, success driven and smart and always wanting to grow and evolve, there's periods of time where we're pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's easy to want to just do something to not feel uncomfortable. But I think it's really part of the process of growing. Oh, absolutely. I don't think you can be an entrepreneur and be a little uncomfortable all of the time. Like, I would I would encourage everyone get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, if you're ambitious, if you've got big goals, they should be stretching you. Now, I I don't I'm not encouraging us to be how how shall I put it? Like uncomfortable in a healthy way. Like you don't always want to be like, you know, you know, running full force, but you know, 
feeling like you're getting, you're being stretched and that there's something that, that wakes you up and gets you out of bed in the morning. Yes. So Tina, the next thing I, I normally ask about is the people you have around you that make it possible for you to sustain and expand your current level of success. And I think this is really key, especially for what we were talking about before, given that your your book is helping women to balance, you know, having a really great romantic life with a really successful business and professional life too. So, so tell us how you do it. Who are the people who, you know, surround you to make it possible for you to achieve the level of success? And maybe also give some tips um, for the women listening for how to how to, you know, create that team around them and those romantic relationships that will fuel their business as well. Yeah, I love this question because we certainly can't um, do it alone. And I think as a strong, smart, success driven woman and the women I speak to, um, you know, we tend to be very independent and maybe asking for support. Um, doesn't come as our first choice. You know, we tend to be very independent and try to do it on our own. So I've had to learn that to really find the right support team for myself. So I have a mentor and a woman's tribe that really keeps me honest. And I love them to pieces as they are my mirror when I cannot see. And I tell you, there are still so many days that I cannot clearly see what I have to offer. So without a tribe of women by my side, I don't think I would follow through with my ideas or even stay connected to the energy and work that goes into being an entrepreneur. So I think it's important to be patient with yourself and take time building your tribe. Women who are um, supportive in that they're interested in not competing with you, but co-creating with you and also really being able to give you feedback, honest feedback to help you keep growing, not to keep you in the comfort zone right? But to challenge you to play your edge. So that has been life changing for me um, to really have finally found a mentor that I really click with. And then being around that tribe of women that she has attracted to help me stay on track. Awesome. And Tina, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So this is just going to be one question after another coming at you. So tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? Um, I don't know if it's a practice, but it's something I do, yeah, pretty much daily. And that's just being real and transparent about who I am, you know, bringing the pretty and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and what is one book you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Um, one of my most favorite books right now, my most recent read is called Conversational Intelligence, How Great Leaders Build Trust and Get Extraordinary Results. And that's by Judith E. Glasser. And what did you like about the book? Oh my gosh, it is all about how to have powerful conversations. Um, and even more than that, it's really about how to keep people open to possibility and to move people forward, like groups of people, so that we don't get closed down into places of mistrust and act from a real competitive and closed down place. So it's, it, I think I'm still processing a lot of it, but it's really mm -hmm. shifted um, how I approach conversations um, with my intimate partner, with my family members, with friends, and with organizations. Awesome. And what advice would you give your younger self? The advice I would give my younger self is you've got this. Trust your gut. Don't doubt yourself and say no more often. So when you say yes, you really mean it. <laughs> <laughs> now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. A quote that I really love is by Sheila 
Marie Bethel, and it's, she says, one of the most courageous things you can do is identify yourself, know who you are and what you believe in and where you want to go. And I think that just speaks to how I live my life and how important it is to know ourselves and to stay true to ourselves, know what we want, believe in ourselves and know where we want to go. Just says it all. (laughs) And lastly, Tina, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? My website, which is tinaebert.com, and I spell my first name, big T, double E-N-A. And for those of you listening, I know oftentimes you're on the go, you're in the car, you're out for a jog, so no worries. You know you can find all the links and resources Tina shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Tina, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.